This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Paul Wheelock, and welcome to a special edition of the Royal Blue Podcast with a man you'll all know very well, Alan Myers. Hi, Paul. Happy New Year, mate. You okay? Yeah, absolutely great. Yeah, great to see you. Yeah, you know, we, we first met, or I first got to know you when you were appointed the Communications Director at Blackburn Rovers, and I was uh, the Lancashire Telegraph's Blackburn Rovers reporter at the time, and uh, had a couple of interesting years, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, interesting is one word, Paul, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We may touch on that in that in uh, in this podcast, but of course, we're here to talk about your club, the, mm. the club you work for twice, and uh, obviously the club you still support today, Everton. Yeah. And it's, it's good to uh, talk about uh, Everton after a big win at the weekend. It felt like yeah. a, an important win, didn't it, in the circumstances? Oh, I think it was crucial. You know, I think the, um, you know, I looked at it, I sat on, on Friday night and it's one of those weekends where, you know, Everton won playing on the Saturday. So you have that little bit, I think I said it on Twitter, you know, I was sort of lulled into a false sense of security. You're sort of enjoying the football on the Saturday without that pressure um, and I remember thinking on the Saturday evening you know the nerves started to kick in and you thought you know we've got to really win this game tomorrow and I think it was huge and I think what summed that up was when you saw the reaction of Marco Silva at the final whistle and I think that was a lot of pressure being uh, let out there you know and, and Duncan Ferguson as well um, because whilst I think Marco Silva looks calm and seems to be, you know, I think there is pressure there. There's no two ways about it because, you know, the, it, it, for, for 20 years or so, um, we've always been seen as the, the team that's fighting above our weight or, you know, everything, you know, we're doing well and, and we never really had the finances which brings on the pressure that, that we've got now. Um, and that's the difference. And I think you saw that at the final whistle because that was a huge win and I think if it had been a defeat which you know in the first 10-15 minutes if things hadn't gone the way you know you just wonder how the game would have gone but um, I saw a great um, comment on Twitter after the game Uh, someone said Goodison Park was angry today and I love it when it's angry and and I and I thought you know that's that's exactly the sort of performance and the sort of atmosphere we needed and I think the referee helped you know, yeah. I think, yeah. I think because of the referee's performance, I think you know Everton fans need something to motivate them. You know, and there's a lot of debate I think at the moment about the atmosphere and all the rest of it. Everton fans are fine. You know, they they will make noise when it's right, and you know, but they've got to have something to get them angry. And there's there's one of four things I think that can get a crowd of goodness and angry. One is the referee, mm-hmm. one is the opposing manager, one is the opposing team, and the fourth one sadly is Everton. You know, <laughs> and luckily I think the referee stood up and and and, and made himself a little bit of a you know the, the target, and it got Everton angry and and it got the fans angry and I think that atmosphere translated onto the pitch and 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 that's that's what drove them on you know but um, but it was such a crucial win. Such a crucial win, and you mentioned it there. And I know Phil Kirkbride, our Everton FC correspondent, mentioned it in his kind of verdicts after the game. It felt like it's Marco Silva's first goodest moments. And when you see him at the end, they're punching the air and grabbing big dunk. You know, yeah. do you think that'll be good for him as well going forwards? Oh, when I think so. Goodison like that. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't think the the size of the club and the, and the expectation is lost on him. Uh, I, I felt. I remember sitting down with him in uh, Portugal. At, you know, on pre season. And um, I, I remember saying at the time there, he had this focus about him. And I've felt this, you know, and I get challenged quite a lot at times, you know, on, on Twitter, certainly in the last few weeks. 
um, with fans saying, what is it you see about him? And, you know, he didn't do well at Hull, he didn't do well at Wofford. And I beg to differ there, you know, yes, okay, both of them never ended well. But if you look at the way he played in both of those clubs uh, at times, you know, you can see that he can, and you've seen it at Everton as well in this first part of the season. Um, I think he's learning still, you know, um, and... And I think it's a, it's a big club, Everton. But I, I think, as you say, as you suggest, you know, that moment, that Everton, to see Everton, to see Goodison Park like that, will, will it almost sort of gets to the core of you, you know. And uh, when you've had one of them nights, I remember a few years ago uh, being there from, from from Sky point of view when David Moyes, uh, we played Manchester City, we won one nil. I think it was um, Darren Gibson goal, and that night was one of those nights where it was. Raw, it was proper Goodison night, you know, and and I think Marco would have felt that on sat on Sunday, and I, I, I think you're right, totally right. It, that will help him immensely. Tenth now, back into the top ten. What are you kind of, what do you think the club's ambitions are for this season? Because it has been a, a difficult few years, hasn't it? You know, it, it almost needs a bit of stability again. Marcel Brands is is in, and who I know you're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Is it almost like Evertonians do have to be patient at the moment? Or well, do you think we need to accelerate that? Listen, it's difficult to sell, to tell Everton fans to be patient. Yeah. You know, I've been there, you know, in the 90s. Uh, I, I obviously went back in, in 2013. And I, I, other than probably Newcastle fans, there's no fans in the Premier League who have been more patient than Everton. Um, yes, we've got to cup finals and we've got to semi-finals, but, you know, not quite actually got there and done it. Um, but they wait and they support and, you know, and, and this is what worries me slightly over the last few months. We've seen some bad results. I feel that that patience is wearing thinner and thinner now each time there's a problem. And I, and I understand that, but football is, is not that simple. You know, it's, it just can't be remedied overnight. And um, and I, I think you've got to get... There's, this manager might not be the right manager forever. I don't know. But I know that I don't know over six months or, or less, you know, whatever it is, 22 games. You can't tell that over that period of time with any manager. You've got to give the manager a couple of years to, to have a look. And, and as I say, ultimately, but you've just got to take that risk and say, but give him a chance, you know, let him let him have a, get a team together. I think the signings that they've made, I say they, you know, Marcel Brands and, and Marco Silva, I think every one of them, I, I wouldn't, I could argue each one of them, you know, and, and say they're good signings. Um, I think some of them have got to still come good, but but all of them look decent. Um, so I I I feel it's good. I feel there's a lot of confidence there, and I, I have no problem with that at all. Marcel Brands, we mentioned him then. He's he's obviously now on the board's directors as well as being the director of football. It's 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 a new era for Everton, isn't it? You know, it's the first time it the club has had someone like him. And what have been your impressions of him? You know, when you've you've dealt with him or working for Sky? Well, I've interviewed him once, um, and I have to say, I've said this before. He comes over so confident and so a man who knows what he wants, knows how to get it, which is important. Um, you know, I think we've learned a lot from the last couple of years, uh, and. And I think this guy is cool, and and I don't say that in a dad sort of way. You know, <laughs> I think he's cool in the real sense of the word. He takes his time, and he knows what he wants. He will wait, uh, as we saw with the transfer window in the summer. You know, he almost waited to the last hour to yeah. to, to get what he wanted, and I think he was prepared to walk away if that didn't happen. Um, and I think 
Everton need that now. They've got to. I mean, I think I saw saw a, a piece earlier in the week. I don't know if it was in the Echo actually about um, him working with Bill Kenwright. You know, and and I think that's what I like about uh, Brands. I think he is someone who would work with and and see the 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 the, the, the uh, what's the word the advantage of working with someone like Bill Kenwright who's been in the transfer market in and around there. You know, Bill has a real big reputation in the transfer market as being a really tough negotiator um, and I think Brands is clever enough to understand that and take that and use that you know and I think um, I think that's what I like about him I think he's got the good of the club instead of the good of himself you know and I think in the past we've had people who have been probably a little bit overawed with you know either coaches or, or director of footballs whatever you want to call them um, I think we've had people who it's all been about them and what they think is right rather than what they think the, is right for the club and, and 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 that's what I like about brands. You know, don't tell me if you don't agree, but do you think the club is searching for an on-field identity again because Moyes was there for a long period, mm. then Martinez came in and in that first season that you you were back for, which we'll, yeah. we'll talk about in a moment. It was clear the kind of football that Everton and he wanted to play, and then. He went to Cooman and then Allardyce. Does it need some kind of clear identity again? You know? Oh, I think hundred um, percent, Marco uh, or whoever the manager is. You know, Marco has to create his own identity, create the way he wants to play football, create what's expected in the club. You know, because footballs. I remember um, leaving Everton in two thousand. Uh, 2001, I can't remember now, I think, I think it was 2001. And when I came back in 2013, the biggest shock of my life was the footballers. <laughs> like, you know, I left. You know, when I, when I, when I, you know, I've said this before, when I came back, I didn't see footballers, I saw businessmen, you know, I saw um, these guys who were so on top of what they were doing financially, were so on top of what they were doing publicity-wise, you know, image-wise. When I left, you know, back in 2001, Gaza was still breaking my window wipers off my car, you know, and <laughs> people were throwing buckets of water over each other. And, you know, that, that was a player was just a player at that yeah. point, you know. Whereas now, uh, it's a very different environment and it's such a, a more difficult place to, to manage, you know, as, as Marco Silva. So he's got to stamp his authority there. He's got to stamp his way of working, how people understand him, you know. And, and that can't be done over 22 games. It takes time. Um, but I think you're right. I think I'll never forget the first away match. Uh, it might have been the first game, I don't know, but uh, it was away at Norwich City with Roberto. <clears throat> the 2-2, two -two, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and I've never been so terrified in all my life as an Evertonian watching us pass the ball around, yeah. you know, because we'd had 11 years or whatever. And no, no, I don't mean to disrespect David Moyes in any way, shape, form. You know, he got the best out of playing a different way. Um, but... I never forget, think, oh my, you know, what is he doing? You know, we were passing it around at the back. I'm thinking, don't, just just get it forward. You know, and, and it took weeks, really, to start to understand. And even the players took time to, to understand that this was another way of playing, you know. And, and, and I think when you look back at teams, you know, going back to the, what they used to call the school of science, you know, that's how Everton played. And, and they did play football, you know. And, and I, so I think... We've got to get back to that sort of identity of playing good football. And I think it's down to Marco Silva to do that, you know. 
you mentioned that season. You came back for the second time, didn't you, in the summer of 2013? 13, yeah. And yeah. I certainly remember it really well. It seemed a, a summer of massive change after so long under mm. David Moyes, new manager. Mm. There was the badge. Yes. <laughs> fiasco, if that's yeah. the right way to put it, that you had to deal yeah, with. It was a fiasco. New players, wasn't it, around the mm. transfer deadline. Really yeah. exciting transfer deadline day. Must have been like being thrown in the deep end there. I know you knew the club inside yeah. out already, no, but as was. you said, it was a different club you went oh, back it to. Oh, was, it, was, um, it was incredible. I think that's you know, part of one of the reasons probably I ended up going when I did, um, because it was like a whirlwind, you know, it was, I, I left, I couldn't leave Sky until August the 1st, until um, they had the thing called 92, sorry, August 31st, I think it was, 92 Live, we were at 92, all 92 football clubs live on the same day, um, and so they didn't want me to, I wanted to get in early to Everton because I want, there was some, you know, you need that time in the summer to, Arrange things, and and you know, I found when I was walk walked in, we were knocking walls down for the new press lounge, and we were, you know, there was so much to do. And then the bottom of the the um, I'll never forget the bottom of the press release, which had never been mentioned to me at all, was this thing: Alan will now, uh, you know, conduct a full fan survey. I'm thinking, will I? You know, and <laughs> and that, and but that was a pleasure to do. I mean, it was great. You know, it was it, it was hard work, and it was it was really like um, uh, tiresome at times. That whole thing. You know, but but I worked seventeen hours a day in that six months, seven months, and I'm not complaining. Far from it. Many people at the club were working like that, but it was so busy. And I and I, because when I went back, and I've said this before, but when I went back, when I left, you know, my boss at Sky said to me, you know, it's difficult, Al. You know, it's a different job, you know, to what you've been doing for the last twelve years. And I said, I know that. But I said, but I want to go and be something different. I don't want to go and just be a press officer who goes and gives statements out and, you know, all the things that press officers do, you know, a communications guy, whatever you call them now. And and I wanted to be different. I wanted to have real communication, you know, tangible, um, you know, connection with, with fans and the fan base of all types, you know, not just the ones that clubs like. You know, I wanted to speak to every. You know, when I went back, there was a there was a thing called the Blue Union, who we all know about. Yeah. You know, and I was told, oh, you know, we can't speak to them. You know, and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to speak to whoever I feel is right until mm-hmm. someone does something to me to stop me from talking. And I will do that if if people disrespect the position or you know or, or don't do the you know don't, don't deal with you in a fair way. Um. So, but but I wanted to speak to every every Evertonian, whoever, and because I, I people say, oh, you know, why don't don't you get fed up with the moaning of Evertonians? But I don't see it that way. I see it as passion, and it sounds cheesy, but I definitely do because that's where it all comes from. People don't moan because they moan. People people moan because they care. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the day people stop moaning, will be the day we're in trouble. You know, and I've always said that. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be very different and. I just didn't have time to think, you know, it was so hands-on and full-on in the way. And then and what, it, you know, helped immensely, but in some ways didn't help, was the success we were having. Yeah. You know, we were winning, we were going to Manchester United and winning, we, you know, we were we were going to Arsenal and getting a really credible a great draw. Great game, and, that the one yeah, one, wasn't it? Great, yeah. you know, and, and we possibly could have won it, you know, and... and, and uh, and the and the performances were great. You know, Roberto was brilliant. You know, we had the Christmas where 
we had the video of of all the oh, staff yeah. together and yeah. you know and it was yeah. it was a lovely feeling and you just felt that we were people coming up to me in the street saying oh we you know we really enjoyed the club and you know and that and that that was that was great and um but it was literally non-stop for seven months you know i, I remember dave prentice actually wrote in in the echo when i'd gone that he felt maybe i'd tried to do too much you know mm-hmm. at once and and I, probably a little bit of truth in that um but I couldn't have done it any differently. If it had gone, if I go back tomorrow, it w- I wouldn't have done it any differently, you know. So I remember I I say I was covering Blackburn at the time. We'll get on to Blackburn in a moment. Mm. But it came as a shock when it came out that you were leaving the club because it seemed that before you went in there, there was a, you know there were fans who thought that Everton didn't communicate well enough. Mm. But certainly by the time you did leave, that was certainly not the case. And it seemed like everything was going well off the field and on it. You know, there were problems when you went there, like when we were talking about the badge, which everyone knows about, but that had been overcome. The football was great. Everyone was happy. So I suppose it begs the question, it must have come, it came, came as a crux to supporters and journalists. Did did you have to think long and hard about your decision? Oh, it came to a got? shock for me. Don't yeah. worry about that. Did, was it um, something you'd been thinking about for a long time? No, no. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was a problem which, you know, I felt... Um, you know, without sort of going into too much detail, you know, I did feel as though it, it was it was not for me, if you know what I mean, even though it was the only job I ever wanted, if that makes sense. Um, but I felt that I was having to uh, justify how I was working, you know, and, um, and there were times when, you know, I felt a, a little bit, not unappreciated, but certainly... Um, you know, and I'm not someone who wants thanks. You know, I'm not someone who you know because I believe you get paid by a company or whoever, whoever your boss is, you get paid. But I just wanted appreciation of the job that was being done, and I think in certain quarters that wasn't there. You know, and 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 I think with a football club, especially when you support the club, and sometimes it's not a great thing if you support the club and you work for them, but but. I think what you need to do is feel as if you are being appreciated and you know and, and I felt as I say not very few you know but but certainly in certain courses I didn't feel appreciated or, or wanted and um, you know and that was the problem for me and, and I just thought well you know this isn't going to change you know and I, I, it meant too much do you know what I mean it meant too much to me to, to carry on and to do what to do what I was doing uh, and you, you've got to have to be able to work that hard and like I say you know I'm not trying to make out that I was any, working any harder than anybody else but everybody at the club because when you work for a football club you don't just work it's not nine to five no. you know it's your life you know and to do that and you know you've got to have the full support and there were certain areas where I didn't feel as though I had that you know so that was that was the problem and that and that, that dawned on me one day and it was the hardest thing in my life because it happened to me, you know, years before, 12 years before, and that killed me, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, oh, no, it's happening again, you know, and to change. And people, people to this day still think that I left to join Blackburn Rovers, mm-hmm. and that couldn't be further from the truth, you know. I, I'd, I'd had a chance to join Blackburn five times before that, you yeah. know, when I was, a, and I, I didn't want to do that at that time. Um, but thankfully, you know, the day I left, uh, Everton um, Venkis rang me up and said we'd love you to come in. we've heard you know how they've heard in India I don't know but they did and uh, Twitter's great isn't it? And, um, <laughs> and, and and you know and I said okay you know and to be honest with you I took it because I, I wanted a job you know and, and and I liked them and I got on with them and and, uh, and, I, and I could see a club which 
you know needed some help you know and, and that's why I went there yeah I think it's probably worth touching a little bit on Blackburn Rovers now because I know mm. you've said yourself like you've you've Everton for a long time over two spells you've yeah. followed them all your life and people go well you've got to write a book on the Blues and yeah. you've said well actually the uh, the book would yeah. actually be about Blackburn yeah. and you were only there for oh, two years oh that was years. an interesting two years <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. I say up, when, up until you'd gone there you'd had so much experience in the media and in a football club could anything prepare for, for, for working in what happened no. the situation at Blackburn well um Firstly, the fact that when I joined, um, because it all happened so quick, you know, I, I'd left Everton... Within officially. days, wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, Within I left days. Everton officially on the Thursday. And I was meeting... I, I had a phone call, I had two phone calls on the Thursday night. One was from my old boss at Sky, who said, you're welcome back, you know, which was really nice of him, you know, um, you, you, you'll always be welcome here. And, you know, and then also from uh, from Venki, from from, uh, from India. And, and, and I said, oh... You know, and I, to be honest with you, my head was all over the place mm-hmm. with the Everton thing, and I I was undecided. You know, um, and within a couple of hours, I said, okay. So I said, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, just go up to see Derek. You know, at the club the next morning. And I said, what tomorrow? And he said, yes, yeah, tomorrow. And I couldn't believe it. And I, anyway, I drove up and, I, and we had a chat, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they, they they said we we want to offer you the, the director of communications job, and of course. What they didn't tell me at the time was that came with commercial director and you know and everything else that that it went with you know signing players and you know and, and selling players and and doing all you know it was just it was and I think I think what it was and, and Blackburn fans will know this and probably Everton fans would not be that bothered about it but I think what it was we walked into a football club and you will know this. Um, which had a lot of problems from previous regimes and, and, and a lot of damage had already been done because um, it was just poor decisions, basically. Uh, the owners, you know, I've always said all along, I don't really blame the owners, even though they are ultimately, you know, uh, responsible. But they trusted people, you know, and they're very trusting people, you know, so they trusted people to deal with their situation and those people in in, in large parts let them down. Um, so... So when we walked in, when I walked into Blackburn, there was so much to put right, and it was it was like uh, they say, don't they, treading treading in mud? You know, mm-hmm. you you know, you lift one leg out and the other one would go deeper, and you know, and it was really really tough at the time, and uh, but it was great experience, and I couldn't have learned into I learned more in those two years than I think I've learned any sort of time in my career. You know? Yeah, because you touched on it there. You'd obviously been Northwest Bureau Chief for Sky Sports News for a number of years. He'd started off with, with Merseyside, press officer Everton, then he went to direct communications. And I say yeah. those seven months sound like a real roller coaster. Yeah. But at Blackburn, for anyone listening who Evertonians who, who may not know where you were director of communications, but you did commercial and then you were actually a director of a club and then That's right. basically yeah. helping run the football club yeah. like yeah. which yeah. Was, we, we were making decisions. It was like know. a crash course in every job you, you yeah. could be doing but, really wasn't well, it? I, one day I found myself doing a deal to take a player on loan to a club, and I'm thinking I've never done you know this. I've never, this is not what I signed up for, you know. But but at the same time, it was one of those where you just felt that you had to do it because it needed doing, you know. And you know there was a very small board, you know. We were only two or three of us really, you know. And um, and you know we were trying to, and and the great thing was, you know, although it was difficult, the great thing was we had a really good young manager who wanted to do well, who who cared for the club, which was something which sort of you felt had not been for a while um and 
we felt we I think we finished eighth and ninth in the first two years I was there, you know, and you felt that we weren't far away from getting the player, you know, the team back to the Premier League, which would have solved an awful lot of problems. Um, sadly, it didn't work out like that. But if we'd have just made that other little hurdle, you know, I think I think a lot of the problems would have gone away because the Premier League is is a great thing to take problems away from yeah. many clubs. Um, so. So that was difficult, and there were some really tough times. And uh, I was there, for, as I say, it went like, you know, the, the seven months at Everton feels longer than the two and a half years at Blackburn. That's for sure, you know, because the two and a half years of Blackburn was gone with before you even knew it, you know, and and things were happening left, right, and centre. But what I what I was most proud of is at Blackburn is that we reignited the relationship between the fans and the club mm-hmm. we started to listen to them even though there were some meetings which were really sort of hostile at times and you know I only ever offered honesty you know because as I say with football fans and, and, and I think a lot of the clubs and I, still, I still think there's work to do with all football clubs on this and the word the key word is engagement but and I think many clubs do many things right none, none more than Everton Everton do a fantastic job in many ways. But I think where clubs, all of them, it still need to to realise what they have to do is to really communicate on a level with a fan. Because fans, whether they know it or not, or like it or not, they want you to lead their club. They want you to run their club. They don't want to run the club. You know, they think they might, but they don't. Yeah. They want to see leadership. They want to see you letting them know what's going on. And it's so simple to do. They just want to be talked to as human beings, you know, and not as customers or as, you know, a commodity, you know, or as, you know, a way of an income, you know, because in large parts, they're not now really, you know, no. they're, they're no. a small part of the income yeah. of football clubs. So, so it's very simple, I think, to have that connection. And I would sit around the table in Blackburn's direct, in, in the um, boardroom, the old boardroom at Ewood Park, and we would have them in, we'd have tea and coffee and biscuits and we just talk Blackburn talk football and they appreciated it you know and there were times when we had to say no to them and say well no that's wrong you know you're wrong but at least they had it explained you know even though they didn't agree with it you know so so it was a great it was a great it was a it was a hard time but it was also really sort of um enlightening you know on 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 how to 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 get i really saw the nuts and bolts of a football club you know with that i saw everything about it you know uh we had some funny moments you know um you know we i remember me and gary were stood gary bowyer that we you know we stood in 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 pune in in india on a with no shoes or socks on in the temple you know which venki's own lovely place lovely fantastic place to go to and you know, we just looked at each other and we had that look of, you know, and we, and we, and we had the new shirt uh, with us and we took it in and, and it was blessed by, by the temple, you know, uh, priests and, and stuff. And, um, and we brought it back and lost the first five games. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to Gary, that worked well, you know. And, um, you know, so, but, so you have those moments where you look back and think, you know, football's a mad, a mad world, you know. But, um, but it was an interesting time, that's for sure. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, you, you talked about there where you were negotiating loan deals, big money deals, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Certainly in uh, some January transfer windows. You've seen the, the January transfer window, which we're in now from mm-hmm. 
all possible yeah. angles yeah. director of communications director of football club yeah. reporter what's it like being on the inside when you see these big deals coming down well I, I, I mean I, I have seen it from your right I mean I, I was stood outside Finch Farm um, for 16 hours once when the only person that came through the door was a young lad called John Stones who haven't said who yeah. you know because I think they signed him for something like a million pounds down I'll never forget um, the Wigan press officer ringing me up saying why are you saying that he's joining Everton he's coming to Wigan <laughs> and I said well you know that might be the case but he's just driven past me and gone into Finch Farm you know because Roberto was the manager of Wigan at the time and um, and David Moyes has got had, had done that deal you know it's a great deal and then of course a few years later he goes for 50 million quid so um, but I think from the inside, from being as a director, um, it's a crazy time, you know, and it's everything that fans think it is. It's true. You know, it's, I, think, I think fans sometimes think that it's all organised, but it really isn't. You it's don't chaos. know what's going to happen <laughs> next. You know, we had a player at Blackburn who we thought we'd sold, you know. Um, we were convinced we'd sold. And then within the last hour the owners said no you know it's not happening we'd already pretty much done the deal you know and all of a sudden bang we were back and he was he was our player the next morning played the next one and you can't you can't work it out you know at times and you're just thinking and you've got players coming in you know I had a player at Blackburn who come in and told us well he's not going to train if, if he doesn't go and I said to him you know I'll never forget I said to him well that's not a very good way of uh, you know you know, doing your job is it, yeah. and, and and a way of you know for because I was naive, you know. Whereas people who've been in the game a long time would just go along with that, you know, and just sort of uh, deal with it in their own way. But I was like almost confrontational with them, you know, and yeah. saying, "Well, I, you know," because I was talking almost as a fan because I'd never done it before, and you can't believe that someone would say that, you know. And as it turns out, he, he ended up going, but um, but it was it was a real eye opener, you know, um, and it's. It's a difficult business. Anyone who thinks signing players or selling players, for that matter, is easy, are kidding themselves. It's a really, really difficult. And and people say to me, you know, why do Everton take so long to do a deal? Believe me, it takes that long. It takes that long. And and believe me, nobody in any football club wants it to take a minute longer than it needs mm-hmm. to. You know, they want it done. You know, the problem is, is there's so much bartering and 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 you know uh posturing you know right till the last minute and 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 uh you know what's the term uh, you know um eleventh hour mm-hmm. sort of uh dealing you know and and it's it's really really difficult and i think i have every sympathy for any director chairman owner whatever you whatever you want to call them um in any transfer window especially the january one because it's almost Known that you know nothing's going to be easy. You know, uh, you desperately want this. There's always a need, either to sell or to buy mm-hmm. in January. Whereas in the summer, it's a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit more relaxed. There's a there's more time for a start, but in the January one, there's that clock ticking, and you know we see it on the corner of the screen on Sky yeah. Sports News. Yeah. You know, and that clock is ticking, and that's ticking in the heads of every director and every every manager, and you know. Um, you know, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with the the summer one. Now it finishes before the season starts. Yeah. I was very much an advocate of that, um, but uh, but certainly this January window, it's not easy. You know, and and I get asked every day, as you know, you know, 
who are we going to sign? Are we going to sign? It? You know, and the bottom line is, is I think people will just do it for the way for any Everton fan or Blackburn fan for that matter to understand it is that managers, coaches, director of footballs, chairman, owners will do whatever they can to do the right thing. Roberto Martinez actually used to have a great phrase. He used to say, as long as you finish a transfer window stronger than you start it, you've done okay. Yeah. You know, and that's a really good gauge to, to work on. You know, um, it can mean that you get rid of players and you don't bring any in, but you can still be stronger, yeah. you know, um, and, and the other way around as well, you know. And, and I think that was a really sensible way of looking at it, you know. Uh, certainly in the, the first year when I was there in the seven months, that we definitely were stronger at the end of that transfer window. I have to ask you about that first summer one. You know, uh, it's probably Perhaps one of the best yeah. transfer deadline days it was for, for Evertonians, probably in a, a number yeah. of years. Barry coming in, Lukaku yeah. coming McCarthy. in, McCarthy coming in, yeah. Fellaini going out. Going Obviously, out. around the time of Baines as well, being yeah. linked with United. Yeah. Just shed a bit of light on that for, for Well, Bruce. it was mad. I mean, well, the Baines. <laughs> your Fellaini first one back as well. It was, wasn't yeah. It? I mean, and the Baines Fellaini thing. And of course, then I had all the knowledge of all the transfer windows I'd been involved in down the years with Sky, you see. So, so it was a bit different for me, and I was able to see the other side of it. So I was a lot more, from when I was there in the 90s, I was a lot more educated, a lot more wiser, you know, in how to deal with the transfer window. And I remember the, um, you know, the, the situation over, over uh, Bainesy and, and, and Fellaini. And I knew pretty much quite early on that Baines was going nowhere. I never really had that same guarantees with Fellaini, but I knew that Baines was going nowhere. And, and I think he knew that as well. And I think the great thing was how professional he was and the way he handled himself at that time. And that was really crucial for him because, as we've seen, he went on and, and he's... What a player he's, he's been. What a yeah. player he's been. And, and now that's, that affection now, even though he's out the team, is still there and will always be there. Because, like I say, you know, there's no two ways about it. If Manchester United come calling for you, you will have your head turned. I don't care what player you are. And he was so professional at that time I remember being we were away at Cardiff in the first game I think it was the first away game no it couldn't have been because it must have been the first away game of the window um, and he just conducted himself so well that day you know when there was a lot of pressure on him because there's a story out saying that he'd, he'd you know he'd, he'd sort of wanted to go and all the rest of it um, so that was good in a way and I remember I remember um, Man United put this offer in uh, for both players, I think it was something like twenty six million for both players, which was what we would have wanted for one. Yeah. As we got in the end with Delaney, yeah. and twenty seven. And um, I remember uh, I wrote a press release, you know, and sent it down to the chairman, and, I said, and he said, "Well, well it was a bit, a bit harsh that." You know, <laughs> it wasn't your typical harsh. press release, yeah, was it? A bit harsh, like, you know. He said, "A bit harsh, you know." And I said, "Well, I'm sorry, but we've got to, we've got to put a market down here. I don't care whether it's Manchester United or anybody else. We've got to say." What we are, and we're not happy with it. So I, we changed it slightly. We down downgraded it a little bit, but I think I put something out like about that it being a derisory and insulting. Oh, I was going to say insulting, and then we changed it to derisory and whatever offer. And I remember the fans ringing me up, or certain fans coming to me in the street and saying, "Oh, you know, we stuck up to, you know, stood up to." Them. And I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to be strong as a, as a press officer. You've got to be strong as a as a club, and how you communicate at those times, you know, because. Because that that's what um, you know. That's what people see, you know. And so that window, though, the funniest part of that window was that I'd because I had already a holiday booked before I joined the club. 
I had a flight at nine o'clock on that night <laughs> and I knew all these players were supposed to be coming in so I had tweeted in the day busy 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 you know which got the Everton fans I didn't realise <laughs> yeah, I, did, I, I didn't realise what, what it would do so but I wasn't too bothered because we, we knew we were probably getting Lukaku we, we thought we were getting McCarthy Barry was in fact Barry was an additional one and there was a few you know and uh that was great. And then about five o'clock in the evening, I'm getting ready and getting myself sorted because I knew I had to get up to the airport for like sort of six, seven-ish. So, and then next minute, uh, the chief exec come up to me and he said, oh, he said, it's, it's not good. So I said, what do you mean? So he says, well, Lukaku looks like he's going to West Brom. Um, Barry might not be coming now. McCarthy, we don't know about. And I was like, oh my God, you know. And I, I had to leave. I said, well, I've got to go now. And he said, okay, you know, but... And I was terrified, you know, because all... I had all these Everton fans saying, oh, fantastic, you know, it was hilarious. So I got on a flight, it was over to Dubai, I was going on, and as I said, I'd had this holiday booked for, for weeks, months, and um, and then I got on the plane, I've never been so sick getting on a plane, the flight was ruined for me, you yeah. know, because I was gutted, you know, because I thought, oh no, and then I'll never forget, we landed in Dubai at seven o'clock the next morning, and it was a six, seven hour flight, and um, I put my phone on, and it just went crazy, you know. And people, you'd think I had took the money out of my back pocket and bought these players, you know, all because I just put on Twitter, you know, busy, busy. And I think it was the start of Everton sort of realising that we were we were going to try and go somewhere, you know. And um, and, uh, and it was great. And it was the best holiday I've ever had because, you know, the, everyone was so happy that we brought in all these players, you know, and we'd... we'd you know, I think we got rid of Fellaini on the last in the last hour or two. You know, not got rid. That's the wrong way. But but you know, he got sold. Yeah, yeah it sold. Yeah, but it was an incredible one of the best transfer windows I think I've been involved in from that side. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, interesting one. Probably ask you a question that every blue asks you most days on Twitter. But why not? I'm here. Uh, yeah. Do you think Everton will be busy in this transfer window? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? They always they always say, uh, "Is it done yet?" Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, I, I don't think they'll be busy. No, I don't think they'll be... I certainly won't be busy, 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 that's for sure. Um, but I think, I think you know, what I think Marcel Brands did quite early on in this window was manage expectations. And I think, quite rightly so, you know. Uh, I think we've spent a lot of money over the last few years. Let's not kid ourselves. Even billionaires have to watch mm-hmm. what they're spending, you know. And, you know, it's a big squad. Um, there's players there who clearly are not wanted you know um, so that has to be managed you know and and you know couple that together with a window which is not the best window for doing good deals you know you'll find there's not many down the years I think Suarez to Liverpool comes to mind you yeah. know it was a good deal in the, in you know but there's not many that you can say were real successes in, in January um, but I think I think what I think I think yeah, Marcel Brands has said I think you know that um, we have to sell before we we buy in this window and we have to replace them, and I think that is the truth. I think that that that's the way it is, and that's not in a way. But we can't afford it. I think we can afford anyone mm-hmm. if they come along, pretty much. But I think what they're trying to do is manage the squad intelligently, which is, you know, may not be exciting for the fans. It may not be you know what they want to hear, but it is. In long term, it's the way business should be done. And this is going back to what you were saying before about Marcel Brands. Mm-hmm. This is what I see, you know, how he's conducting himself and he's doing things right at his pace 
whether it's right or wrong in front of fans, it doesn't matter, as long as he feels he's doing the right thing for the club. So I think we need a striker. I think there's an absolute need for somebody to replace Lukaku, who we haven't done. Mm-hmm. I remember saying for years, Liverpool will will only win a title or will only become great again if they sort out a centre-half and a goalkeeper. Which they've done. Which they've done. And, and it's been a long time since they've done that. And I think you're seeing that now. You know, And I think Everton now are getting to a point where, maybe not as long, but they're getting to a point where they really do need to to bring in a striker who's... And they're not easy to find, you know, not in Everton's position where we are without Europe and all the rest of it. Um, but I don't think money would be the problem, you know. If, if say, an Aguero or someone came, came available tomorrow, I think Mashiri would go out and get him. You know, I, I genuinely think the money would be there. But I think what they're trying to do is do it correctly. Get people out of the club first who they don't want there. Because they're no good having players like that around, players who aren't wanted, and that's not good to have them. And I think once they do that, then you'll see somebody come in, but I don't think they'll do it unless, unless it's you know it's right. You mentioned uh, the majority shareholder then, Farhad Mashiri. Mm. Uh, he underlined his ambitions again, didn't he? The, the general yeah. meeting recently yeah. about what he wants for Everton. Uh, you you've supported the club all your life. You've mm. you've worked for him twice when that kind of money and that kind of investment was there. Is that something to be excited about? That like it looks like a stadium could really be coming to fruition. Yeah. You know, the the investment in the squad, although as you say they've got a box a bit smarter at the moment, yeah. which I'm sure he'd, he'd like. But Everton can now shop in markets they probably couldn't do in previous years. Hundred percent. And I think this is where the pressure comes from, you know, because now we are in a position where you know, I remember someone said to me today, I won't say who it was because they, 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 they hate me for it, <laughs> but someone said to me today, you know, when the chief executive said, um, we're looking to win the league, you know, and cups in the next 10 years, someone said to me, surely that's a nonsense, you know, Everton can't win the Premier League, you know, and I said, well, of course they can, you know, anyone can win the Premier League. First of all, Leicester showed that. Now, okay, yeah, I agree, that was a one-off probably, mm-hmm. Um but the fact is that that happened and it can happen. And if a team who've been finishing around 6th and 7th and 8th over the last few years quite constantly, they can make that step up. Yeah, OK, I get the point that it's very difficult and, you know, to, to start bringing the top class players, you know, is, is difficult. But first of all, if we had a CEO who wasn't saying that was the ambition, I'd be more concerned. You know, mm-hmm. I want to hear Denise... Barrett Baxendale saying we're going for titles and we're going for that that's what I want as a because what is the point of doing you know doing anything if you're not going to go and try and win stuff so that's the first thing secondly I think we now have I, I remember standing on the steps of the Etihad 10 years ago and I started off a finch farm actually watching Louis Sahar drive in to sign for Everton and then I was called by Sky can you get over to the Etihad stadium they're being taken over you know, and then we had the whole Rubinio thing, and it was it was the most amazing day. It was yeah. the start of what we now know as Deadline Day, and a, a Manchester fa- Manchester City fan come in and he said, "So, so we're getting taken over, are we?" By these, I said, "Yeah, yeah, apparently, yeah. You know, these are mega rich people." You know, and he said, "Yeah, we'll still never win the Premier League." <laughs> you know, and I'll never forget that. And that's what that's where we are. You know, mm-hmm. that's where Everton are now. We're in. The, okay, you might say, well, you know, Machiri's not got the sort of money that, but. I don't think there's that big a difference, really, you know, in in the whole scheme of things, if you as a football club. So, 
so what comes with that is the expect the expectancy and 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 the uh, the pressure of that. So people now want to run before they can walk, if you know what I mean. We feel as though we can just have instant success. It doesn't work like that. Manchester City took a few years to get that sorted. So we've got to build. Um, but with this money now, I think, um, we've really got to start getting decisions right. You know, now we can't... There's no excuse now. You know, we have to start doing it right. It looks like we're getting it right off the pitch as far as the new buildings are concerned and the new offices. It's looking like a football club. And remember, I watched the whole transition of Manchester City mm-hmm. and, and I saw how it changed, you know, and how this club that I actually had an affection for. Um, and I think they made mistakes. I mean, we saw, you know, I, I actually thought it was a mistake to light up the live buildings in, in the week of the derby. Yeah. I genuinely did, you know, and I, I can I see the intentions. I know you it. said as much on Twitter. Yeah, I saw all the intentions are right and everything, and I get people get carried away, and, and why wouldn't you be proud of the offices that they've got, you know, and all the rest of it. But I just felt that, hang on a minute, you know, listen, Liverpool, whether we like it or not, they're a better team at the moment, you know, and and you have to respect that, you know, and I just think start talking on the pitch first before we talk about and it likened to me um when Manchester City put the big sign with Carlos Tevez saying welcome to Manchester and that, and they poke fun at, at Manchester United who were a massive club, still yeah. are a massive club. And and I think City went through that learning you know, learning sort of phase to be a big club, you know, and I think Everton are going through that now and Everton have to be careful. And I think people in Everton are are sensible enough and know enough to know. Like I say, I think, you know, the lighting of the Miami Birds was done with all good intentions. And I think if it had been done at the start of the season or when they moved in, it wouldn't have been so bad. But I just felt it was a little bit, it was always there to come back and haunt you, you know. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh no, you know. And, um, you know, I remember back in the 90s when we won two games in the 97-98 season where we stayed up with, with goal difference. You know, I remember winning two games, I think it was against Chelsea and Liverpool possibly, and the commercial department did a video saying turning the corner, you know. Well, we did turn a corner, but it was down towards the bottom of the league, you know. And you've just got in football. Don't ever think, you know... You've cracked it, yeah, think, Never yeah. think that. And I think, you know... With Mashiri now, we've got the opportunity, and everyone at the club sees this, you know, we've got the opportunity to make the club look good, have the best, you know, when it comes to, you, you know, you can see by the fact that we're, we're bringing in players from Barcelona, you know, you know, before we weren't doing that, you know, and now that's no one's fault, you know, there was always, I, I went to interview Bill Kenwright on a number of occasions where he always said to me, oh, we need a billionaire, you know, and he was never shy of that you know and he, he you know and, and did what he could as far as his his limitations were but he recognized that you know millionaires are no good in football now it's got to be billionaires and i think that's what we've got but the expectations the expectations are there now and machine knows that i think sometimes a little bit gung-ho when he starts talking and you everyone sort of holds their breath a little bit on what he's going to say and someone asked me tonight who do you think he was saying it's not good enough to the manager and I said I think he's saying to everybody mm-hmm. you know he, he's put in all this money and quite frankly 11th which is where we were I think at the time was not good enough yeah. and it's as simple as that it's not having a go at anyone it's just telling people and do we really need to know that you know I mean you know is that a shock no it's not you know that's not good enough you know and, and I think I'd much rather have a chairman 
or a, an owner who would say that rather than not say it, you know, um, because it's the truth. And, and people, I'm not suggesting the win on Sunday was, was to do with that, but you saw, as we said before, you know, you saw the pressure ease because Marco Silva realises that the boss wants better, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a good thing for Everton. Just before we wrap up, I've got to ask you about the stadium because is this a really vital part in Everton's history? And it's crazy to think about that with all the years of history that the club has got, but is this absolutely crucial that this one comes off? Because so many years ago, Kingstock looked like the place that the club was going to call home. It didn't come off. There's been other attempts that or other ventures that haven't worked. Mm. But is, is this everything? Bramley Moor on the, the banks of the Royal well, Mersey in the city centre? Yeah, what I would say is, first of all, I mean, site-wise and everything, you, you, you wouldn't want anything else. You know, you know we, we saw the Kingstock. I was there when, in fact, I was leaving just before, mm-hmm. just as it happened, the Kingstock. And it was great. It was obviously political at the time and, and I don't quite know what happened in the end because as I say I left but it wasn't it was it was it was there was a lot of things had to happen for it to come together um, however that would have been ideal because that was right literally right in front of them but this is just as good you know this is just as as iconic it's 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 where you want to be as an Everton fan you know and um, so in that respect there's absolutely no question about it that it's the right site and it's the right place and it's the right feel and I think they've got a fantastic uh, architect who's in Dan Mies who's you know I've spoken to him on a couple of times a couple of occasions and he's such a passionate man in, in, and, and loves what he does and, and I think he's also intelligent in what he does um, so so in that respect I think there's there's no problem I think if this doesn't happen, this stadium, I genuinely do not know where Everton can go after that. I, I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't, I couldn't even bear thinking about what might happen yeah. if this doesn't happen. Do I believe it will? Hundred percent. I. I don't see. I think it's integral to what Mashiri wants. I don't think. I think that's his sole focus. Not sole focus, but I think that's his focus. Um. I have a little bit of a concern that, you know, we've got to, it's all right having a big stadium, I mean, we've got to have a team to go in it. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think that, I think the people at the club will be across that. I think they know that, you know, but it's, in, it's important that we concentrate on getting a team who are going to go and play in that, in that fantastic stadium. But that stadium is so crucial to what Everton need um, in, in every way, you know, in, in, the, in every area of the football club, it's crucial. That we that we get that 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 stadium and um, you know like for, like I say uh, I think it's going to happen. No two ways. I think Mashiri is such a committed man, and when billionaires say they're going to do something, they usually do. You know, um, it's a little bit different with millionaires. You know, they're not some of them. You know, uh, don't follow through as we've seen in football, um, but certainly with billionaires, when they say they want to do something, they'll do it. And I think um, you know on the on on the issue of the. Of the attend of the um, capacity, see, yeah. you know, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I, I, as I said the other night, um, I, I think fifty five thousand will what is what they'll settle on, with a view to taking it to sixty thousand. And and listen, if if the demand is there, which many people are telling us it is, well, it, you know, I don't see a problem in in raising that capacity to sixty thousand if that's what it takes. You know, um, but it's not about for me. It's not about the capacity as such. Yeah, okay, of course that's important. But it's about 
the right style of stadium. It's a right. It's about the right feel of the stadium. It's a right. It's about getting it done, you know, as soon as possible. And it's about the way the team is when it walks through those doors in that stadium because you certainly wouldn't get sixty thousand or fifty two thousand for that matter if you're in the championship, you know. So, and I'm not suggesting we're anything to near that. But but what I'm saying is the football team has to be right as well. So we've got to keep a dual focus, you know, um, if we can. We've got to build. But, I mean, Manchester City and in some ways West Ham are, are very different in the fact that they they had ready-made stadiums to walk mm-hmm. into and, you know, and, and that's so much easier, you know. As Arsenal saw with building the Emirates, you know, as Tottenham have been, I've seen, you know, and, and in fairness to Tottenham, they're doing it. In fairness to Arsenal, they did it. They did have a few blips over the time. But they stayed in that top four. But they stayed in that sort of top top six, yeah, top four, top six. And I think that's that's important that Everton keep, at the very least, keep where we are now, you know, in, in the sort of, when I say now, I don't mean literally now, I mean in the last few years, where we've teetered around the seventh, sixth, and, you know, and and I think we've got to stay in that sort of ballpark, if not, Get better, you know, and then and be ready to go when when that opens. Just a final one throughout this conversation, throughout the podcast, you've you've used the word the term we because it is your club, Everton. Mm-hmm. You've you've worked for them twice before, and I know fans do ask you quite a lot. Do you ever see yourself going back to Everton? I know you're back working for Sky again now, or no? If, I you, don't. Yeah, no, do think- I don't. I don't think so. I think my time is gone. I think if um, you know, listen, I, I love the club, and I don't think anyone could you know uh, would deny that. Um, and I only ever want the best, and I appreciate the people. But, but the the fact of the matter is, you know, I chose to leave, and 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 that's it really. And uh, you know, I, I wish everybody there every bit of luck and 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 all the best at any time. And I'll always be available to help and offer any help I could do. They may not need it. I'm sure they don't. But you know, um, but do I see? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's an appetite for that, um, and I don't think um, you know. And I think sometimes you just have to accept that your time has been, and it's gone. And uh, but, you know, it 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 doesn't matter to me that in a sense because I'll always be an Evertonian. You know, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, I was many many years. But when when Mrs. McGee, uh, my neighbour across the road, who gave me my first ticket to go to a reserve match, you know, and my five brothers and my father was staunch Liverpoolians, mm-hmm. you know. I went to to watch Everton reserves, you know, and and nothing's changed from that day. Uh, I watched the the video of the young little Irish lad who's come over for his oh, first trip this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, and I saw that look in his eyes when he saw, and it was like he was seeing some sort of um, he apparition. Back to the camera, didn't yeah, he? yeah. And, it, and it was like he was looking at some sort of apparition, you know, um, in front of him when he was looking at Seamus Coleman and he was yeah. looking at Marco Silva, and, yeah. and that delight. I remember that from my childhood, you know, and and I don't. I don't feel any different today. You know, I still feel the same about Everton. So that will never change, you know, and whether I work there or I don't work there, that never changes, you know. But um, but no, I, I can't see it ever happening. Alan, thanks very much for your time, mate. Been good. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.